Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter two of book three of the Discourses, Epictetus is going to talk about what one needs to study in order to become what in Greek is kalos kai agathos. We might translate that as good and noble if we want to be very literal, but we would say in general a good person, somebody who has it together. And he picks out three main fields, topoi in in Greek, of study that that person needs to engage in. Now, all of these are dealt with by Stoic philosophy, the first two by Stoic ethics, and the third by Stoic logic. What he's concerned about, why he's bringing this up, is something that comes out as he continues his discussion. He says, too many people are jumping ahead to the third area and focusing on epistemological issues without having a good ethical foundation. So one of the things that's involved in this conception is that if one doesn't have one's character at least partly straightened out, all the epistemology that one does is not really going to be particularly helpful. Same thing with, we might say, critical thinking, a field that overlaps to some degree with that of epistemology. So what are these three areas of study? The first one, he says, has to do with desires and aversions. That is, our affective orientations towards things that we take to be good, and our likewise, our affective orientation towards things that we take to be bad. We are desiring things that are good, that we think are good. We are averse to things that we think are bad. Now, we don't always desire the things that we ought to. We're not always averse to the things that we ought to be averse to. So we get these things mixed up, often with terrible consequences or even just slightly bad consequences to ourselves. So he thinks that it's very important to study the nature of desire and aversion and then what things that we ought to attach these to. So this would encompass questions like what is in our control and what is not in our control, because for the Stoics, our desires and our aversions ought to be restricted or directed to those things that are actually within our control. We don't want to be evaluating things that are outside of our control as good or bad, and that's what desire and aversion do. He also says that this includes the emotions, and we'll we'll see why when we come back to it in just a moment. The second has to do with choices and rejections. The the Greek word is literally to choose against. You know, there's horme and aporme, to choose no. Latin also has a similar verbal structure in which you can, you know, you have vela for to, to choose, to will, and you have nola, to be unwilling, to say no to, to reject. This is a little bit different than desires and aversions. This involves the use of our faculty of choice. And we do it on the basis of our desires and aversions, but we also can sometimes go against them as well when we know better, right? This area also encompasses, just like this one encompasses the emotions, this one encompasses the kathekom, or what we translate as duty or obligation, something very important for the Stoics. So those are the first two. What is the third? The third has to do with avoidance of error and rashness in judgment, in deciding about things, and it's about assent. 
syncatathesis, uh, literally the ascents, the agreeing to things. Now these are epistemological concerns in that they're concerned with what we ought to believe and what we ought not to believe, what we ought to agree with and what we ought to say, yeah, I'm not quite so sure about that. So Epictetus is saying too many people focus on this stuff and they don't give enough attention to this. So let's go back to the, the first two and then we'll come back to the third. Why is this so important? Well, one of our goals is to actually get what we desire. And one way you could do that is to say, well, what are my desires? How can I go about getting them? Do some means and reasoning. And what gets left out in that process? figuring out whether you have the right desires and aversions in the first place. Because if you want to be happy from the Stoic perspective, you have to desire things that it is realistic for you to expect to attain or you are going to be unhappy, right? You're going to be experiencing all sorts of emotions that are going to be disturbances for you. We want to avoid the things that we're averse to. And part of what this, this study involves is figuring out what we ought to really be averse to. Should we be averse, for example, to illness? Should we see illness as an evil? Or should we see it as something that happens and then our own reaction to it, our feelings, our opinions, those as being things that we can exercise desire or aversion on? The Stoics would say that's the case. Dealing with emotions. Why is dealing with emotions under this? Because emotions in large part stem from the workings of our desires and our aversions. So he says, among these areas of study, the most important and especially pressing is that which has to do with the stronger emotions, the pathe, the passions, right? For a strong emotion does not arise except if a desire fails to attain its object or an aversion falls into what it would avoid. Many of our emotional comportments, not all, the Stoics don't reject all emotions, but many of our emotional comportments are ultimately irrational. They involve some sort of reasoning process, some sort of process of judgment, but they get things wrong. And they can get things wrong because we don't have our desires and aversions lined up the way that we, we need them to be if we're thinking about things in terms of the Stoic life. So he says, this is the field of study which introduces to us confusions, tumults, misfortunes, and calamities, sorrows, lamentations, envies, and makes us envious and jealous. Passions which make it impossible for us to even listen to reason. So it's very important that we get that sort of thing right. What about this second area? Well, in order for us to get our desires and aversions right, we're going to have to choose some things that will probably go against the desires that we have, at least for a while, until we establish new patterns of behavior, new habits of not only behavior, but also affect, thinking, judging things, all those fit in there. So we need to learn how to order things rightly, how to set priorities, how to see what's really valuable and what's not so valuable, and to make ourselves align ourselves with that, with what we choose and what we reject. Uh, acting carefully, that's important as well and on good reasons. You know, we want to be doing things that we can actually say make sense to ourselves. Now, he also talks about the importance of maintaining our relationships properly, not only the natural relationships, but also the acquired relationships. And here's what he says that also ties in with emotions a little bit. The second field of study deals with duty, for I ought not to be unfeeling like a statue, but should maintain my relations, both natural and acquired, as a religious man, as a son, a brother, a father, and a citizen. Each of these roles 
reveals to us certain obligations or certain duties, and some of these may in fact involve feeling a certain way as well as acting a certain way for the Stoics. So that's another very important area of study. The third one involves attaining certainty, analyzing arguments, that's why it's part of the logic study for them, using the criterion, acquiring the criterion in the first place, all those sorts of things. And he goes on and he says that the third belongs to those who are already making progress. So it's not something that one wants to jump into and study for its own sake in a purely theoretical manner. Epictetus over and over again says that's not the point of Stoic philosophy. So he goes on and he says, it has to do with the element of certainty in matters which have just been mentioned. Now here's the ideal, so that even in dreams or in a state of drunkenness, or the state of melancholy, a man may not be taken unawares by the appearance of an untested impression. It's translated here, sense impression, an untested appearance, a fantasia, things that reveal themselves to us, that, that suggest that they are the way that they are. We develop these resources, these tools, so that when we're confronting things in the outside world or inside of ourselves, we can say, yeah, that makes sense. That one I don't need to, to worry about. That one I'm not quite sure about, so I'm going to withhold a scent from it for a while until I get some better, you know, evidence or grounds on one side or the other. It's much more important to get this stuff right. This is sort of the icing on the cake, according to Epictetus, in these three fields of study. So, you know, he says, philosophers pass by the first and second fields of study. They concentrate upon the third, upon arguments, syllogisms, hypothetical premises, and sophisms. And so what happens? Well, you're not really going to make progress towards being a good and noble person. The last thing that I want to bring up about this is, is a term that I didn't put on the chalkboard, but which is quite important. He says that these are all not just topoi, fields of study, but each one of them involves discipline or ascesis, right? He uses the verbal form there, ascesi, which means literally to engage in ascesis, which means to engage in some sort of training, some sort of disciplining activity. So these are not just merely theoretical studies. They have to be involved in application. One has to do a lot of practice with them. That also implies that one will not fully understand what is being taught until one has made some progress, some moral progress along the way. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.